The Mayfly is up and the excitement is palpable. Wherever you are in Ireland, the lakes and rivers are soon to be hatching with Mayfly soon. And to help you improve your catch rate this season, we've used a Mayfly Tactics Masterclass with international angler, guide and renowned tire, Jackie Mann. If you want to learn about setup, tactics, conditions and flies, then head over to www.irelandonthefly.com forward slash masterclass where you can find out all the details to access the recording and Jackie's notes. If you want to catch that difficult fish or try out new tactics, then this masterclass is for you. Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. With summer upon us and the next phase of COVID restrictions being lifted, I thought what better time to get some tips and advice on fishing for bass. With some justification, Ireland has become known as the bass mecca of Europe and has regularly seen visitors from the UK, France and further afield visit these shores to fish for Irish sea bass. But are we in danger of exploiting these fish too much and just why is it getting harder to catch them? For this week's episode, I speak to David Norman, a West Cork-based guide, who has vast experience in catching bass on fly and lure. With a background in windsurfing in the Navy, the call of the ocean has always been central to David's life, as I find out. I was growing up on an estuary, and um, I, I, spent, I managed to get hold of this second-hand pair of waders. God knows what age I was. I was very young, and I was getting into places and situations I never should have been. Just out of sheer curiosity, going out around these massive mudflats, creeks and channels and legendary stories about bait diggers sort of going out almost over the horizon to to dig monster worms and i just found it the most fascinating place and um, and i still do right to this day um, an estuary to me is um one of the most, most fascinating places you can um you can be if, if you if you could have half an idea of what you're looking at you know and was your house nearby that like it was within walking distance yeah yeah and i even bought a house that which was even slightly closer to the estuary even though i wasn't doing much um there at the time but um so moving on from there um i, I by pure chance uh, leaving school with very limited opportunities uh joined the navy and uh I did five years in the Royal Navy. I lived on an aircraft carrier for three and a half years, traveling around the world. Did have a rod with me, which I used to do little bits and pieces, but um, nothing serious. But yeah, so the Navy came to an end. And then um, not long after, uh, windsurfing came along. And uh, so I was back on the coast. And that um, that brought me through and, and, until 2007, also brought me to Ireland. And, um, and and that ultimately led to me settling here, you know. It wasn't the fishing there that led you to settle. Obviously, your wife was Irish. So you, but did in terms of where you wanted to settle, in terms of the West Cork area, was it because of the, the windsurfing there? Was it the, the fishing? What, what led you there? Yeah, so I was, I was very fortunate. I was able to transfer with my, with my day job. Um, and there was a, a Dublin office and a Cork office. And um, I, I'd kind of, uh, coming from near London, I'd have... I naturally assumed uh, that you know that I would I would tra- I would settle in um, try and transfer to Dublin and settle in Dublin. But my wife my wife um, said the best thing she ever said to me just out of the blue. She said, "I think you might be better off moving to Cork." And um, you know, when I look back, my life would have been a whole lot different had I moved to Dublin. But uh, so um, so there was the Cork office. It was on the southwest side of the city, and I, I knew if I had the chance and a clean sheet of paper, I wanted to live on the coast. So. Um, I looked at the map and I looked directly down from Cork and I saw Kinsale and um, we'd all heard about Kinsale. And then I looked along the coast and, and I saw this town, Clonakilty, 
and I saw the road running, the main road running down from, from Cork. And I asked my wife, um, you know, if she knew anything about Clonakilty. She said, no, not really, but um, I think it's sort of famous for music and, and a nice place. So we came over on a uh, on a trip to kind of check it all out. And we came down to Kinsale and it was really nice. We came along the coast, stunning piece of coastline, as you know, um, through your holiday location and onwards to um, Kline Kilty and we drove in a beautiful summer's evening and we stayed in a lovely place, had a lovely had a lovely meal and I said, you know, this is the spot. This is the spot for me, you know. So um so that was it. We literally picked the place off the map and and um it was perfect perfect for windsurfing. And as it turns out, it's even more perfect for um for bass fishing. Yeah, it's funny how it works out, isn't it? Like oh, totally. like um like you were fairly high level, you were doing competitions at windsurfing um, mm, level. Mm. So you like you had a good feel for the ocean in terms of understanding, in terms of the waves and the wind and all that. Yeah, were, were pretty, those, pretty good. Yeah, were they were they skills? Then you were able to transfer into into the fishing side of it. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I loved about windsurfing that it was a lifestyle. You were constantly watching the forecast, ready to drop everything and go when the wind was basically the the wind strength was 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 in the right direct was the the wind was from the right direction and of sufficient strength uh, and the tide was there or thereabouts right and there'd be a, there'd be a fair amount of touring around looking at spots um checking out conditions and um and it was a lifestyle and that that's that's what always frustrated me about say going on a skiing holiday you know you go you look forward to it for so long and and you meet these people that are living their whole lives out there and before you know it, your week or two weeks are over and you're back and it's just gone until the next time you can go. So um, to have a sport like windsurfing that was, as I say, a complete lifestyle, that um, that really um, that really appealed to me. So there, there are there is a real crossover between that and, and bass fishing because it's so condition driven. So you gave up the windsurfing was a lot to do with kind of the body age. You know, it's yeah. kind of a younger, a younger person sport. Yeah, I thought I'd be windsurfing until I was uh, probably about 50 uh, and I had to stop at 40. And it's just if you've got any injuries, um, that windsurfing like in way, on a lake is probably you know quite genteel. But if you're, win- if you're windsurfing out um, on the open sea in wave conditions, uh, storm force winds, uh, and, and you're hammering out uh, and, a, and a wave walls up in front of you, you you're going up. And if you, if, if you come down and land that board flat, Rather than kind of tail first, the the impact that goes up through your your legs into your back uh, is enormous. And even just carrying the equipment around, if you've got any weakness in your back, um, you're going to know all about it. And it got to the point where I was two or three days afterwards, I was still aching and not in a good way. So um, I kind of just had to draw a line under it, and you know, no 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 complaints either. You know. And was it a conscious then decision when you discovered bass fishing? Shall we say in 2007 that you said right this is going to be my new poison, so to speak? Not really, no. Um, it was really difficult at first, but I, I knew I loved being on the coast. And, um, you know, it just kind of slowly started to fill the fill the gap and a little bit of success and um, a little bit more information. And, um, no, it certainly wasn't instant, but I, do, I really did appreciate being back. Uh, uh, yeah. on the coast yeah i get that sense it's it's being out on the ocean is for you out oh, on the yeah. coast is is the key yeah. like isn't it like um yeah, yeah. being able yeah. to spend that time like so i presume mm-hmm. then you had a, like you were having to learn on the job plenty of blank days trying to figure out what was working what wasn't oh i think it took me about two months 
um, of of a lot of um, um, a lot of effort. And, and and don't forget at that time, bass were you know a bit more plentiful than they were now, than they are now. And um, no, it took me a long hard effort to get the first fish. And I distinctly remember um, where it was as a spot that you and I fished together. And um, you know, I remember every detail about it and excitement was just in, incredible and um and it took me a long time to get another one after that so um it, it was really tough i mean i was going into tackle shops you know and they were kind of starting to feel sorry for me uh, <laughs> at one point it, it was that it was that it was that difficult but bit by bit um uh, it kind kind of you know success starts to come and was it a lot more um underdeveloped bass fishing side of things in ireland then yeah, it was just about to kick off um, in a big way with the um, the introduction of um, Japanese tackle um, that they were using for for other species, and the French anglers started to adopt um, these what we would now call modern bass fishing, and um, that was all just about to happen. And um, when when I could start to see all this 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 coming down the tracks, so I went down in '09. Um, and at that point, I fished straight through two winters with very primitive tackle, long bendy rods, monofilament reels, very primitive um, uh, uh, metal lures. Um, but I was just enjoying it so much just being out there. There was absolutely no chance I was going to catch. Um, but I, I stayed out there. And then, as I say, in 2009, um, Jim Hendrick down in Wexford yeah. was offering work- workshops and he was way ahead of the game. And um, so I went down to him uh, for a workshop and that just catapulted my kind of knowledge and enthusiasm to a, a whole new level. Has lure, is lure fishing your number one go-to? Like you, you do fly as well, but yeah, lure yeah it be. is. It is. And I, I said, um, I, I would have expected had bass fishing remained stable or, 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 or improved in line with our, knowledge and, and tackle I, I would have expected to be fly fishing possibly full-time from about say even five years ago mm. but because it's got progressively harder um i i am not willing to 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 put uh, when i go fishing i want some some a better level of result than for me um fly blast bass fly will um deliver at the moment um but, but that said like other species like mullet i'd, I'd be 100 percent fly fishing pollock um 100 fly fishing um it's just the way bass fishing is i i need a little bit more return for my effort but i absolutely love fly fishing tell me about that david in terms of how the bass numbers have changed like we you know we we're a lot more aware of the drastic reduction in what's happening in terms of the atlantic salmon yeah but, but maybe the bass fishing is kind of not getting as much uh, of a profile on it yeah so this is one of my pet subjects. So, yeah. um, <laughs> so, so basically, over the course of about ten years, if you take it from the time I did did um, a workshop with Jim, so where are we at then? Oh nine. So it's 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 eleven years. But so so we so we so so the curve was kind of get better and better equipment, become more and more knowledgeable, um, and, and discover more and more locations, and catch more fish, and then it reached a point. Where it kind of plateaued and and started dropping off and the equipment was continuing to get better we were continuing to get more knowledgeable we were discovering more spots we were catching less fish and it just got harder and harder until um i remember a, sort of a little bit of a, a number of 
I was averaging um, in perfect conditions, um, excellent local knowledge, um, everything everything looking right. I was starting to average about uh, a fish every four hours on lures, which is a, a very poor return. Um, and and other people uh, were recording, you know, um, similar um, similar poor numbers. So logically, as as you alluded to in the question, you'd assume that. Um, they weren't there. The, the bass had gone, and, and I was as strong a believer in that as, as any as anybody else. But then I started to have experiences that made me question that. And 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 people, uh, other people around the the sport were talking about behavioural changes. And um, the con- the conclusion I'm coming to more now is that um, partly through angling pressure, and maybe even partly through catch and release, which is definitely the right thing to do. Um, they started to wise up. So, do you think it's a case that the numbers are still there? That they're not? Does climate well, change? What, well, I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you. I'll give an example. Um, fishing one of the estuary channels here. I'm not quite sure when it was, um, but it was in the the early days of. Um, I got into fishing soft plastics, weedless soft plastics, before uh, most people around the UK and Ireland, because of the specific weed problem we have here in the channels um, in Inchdunny. And um, early on, when I started fishing these weedless soft plastics that um, I was buying from Japan and North America, um, I had a, I got onto a set of tides and I had, uh, over the course of a week, I had 50 bass up to eight and a half pounds. Um, and currently to this day, if I, if I went out there now and did exactly the same thing on the same tides, I'd be really pleased to pick up a fish, maybe two. But um, but But what brought home the um the whole situation to me was that um uh your friend of mine uh peter aspinall mm. now i've had a situation where i'm fishing at one end of the estuary doing exactly the right things um at the right times and getting nothing for my return whereas peter is fishing a mile up the estuary uh float fishing live sand deal and getting eight or ten fish yeah so yeah exactly so what do you put it down to Logic says. I think they've, I think they've wised up. I think they've wised up. They, 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 they've seen. They've started to see. When you think about it, in in terms of the life of, um, you know, bass in this country, they've been seeing, um, modern, uh, lures now, um, for about ten years, maybe more. Um, and they're a pretty poor uh, imitation for the real thing. No matter no matter how good they are, even if they cost twenty or thirty euros, uh, at the end of the day, they're still a piece of plastic. And um, it's just that's the conclusion that I'm at at the moment. But, uh, Would that be a commonly held one as well, David, within the, the bass fishing? Um... Uh, I've heard it from one or two people whose opinions I would respect. And I initially, I dismissed it, Yeah. Um, completely dismissed it. But I've heard it in other parts of the world. Um, that's my opinion currently. And I... The only problem with 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 bass fishing is it is easy to balance this bit. It is easy to to disappear down your own rabbit hole a bit. In that you do certain things in a certain way and you get some success and you build on that success and you head in a certain direction. And it's pretty difficult to unravel that and start from scratch again with a clean sheet of paper. So you know somebody else approaching things totally differently might find another avenue of success. But I can only talk about my own experiences and I. You know, I fish every lure there is on the market, uh, and um, you know, I fish every method there is available. 
Um, and um, that's where I'm, that's the opinion I'm of at the moment. But if you ask me in a year's time, I might have a different opinion. <laughs> you hope. Um, yeah. But, but that's, that, that's actually a big part of it because it's constantly, it's constantly evolving. Yeah. Yeah, it's a um, yeah, it's a jigsaw constantly to be figured out. Like, tell me this: yeah. that's part of then you've really turned your focus and attention to night fishing now. Yeah, like because is that because it's a way to kind of overcome um, in terms of the angling pressure, in terms of the bass are, yeah. are less shy. Is that is that the solution you found yeah. for now? Well, interestingly, and and the bad news is even the night fishing is getting more difficult. Jeez. Yeah, so. Just quickly on night fishing, the reason the reason it kind of started for me, and again, it was a long time before I think most people had sort of cottoned onto it around the UK and Ireland. I had a, I have a local friend here, a very good angler, and um, he had a young family, and uh, he was kind of going night fishing because he, he really didn't have any other time to go. And uh, again, I distinctly remember one evening where I fished perfect conditions, you know, good knowledge, um, right things in the right places from, say, 8 to 10 in the evening and uh caught nothing uh, i spoke to him the following day or even later that evening he fished from 10 till 12 had three or four fish and um, change of light being at 10 o'clock so you know it suddenly became obvious that you know if you were willing to wait and if you're willing and able to fish in darkness then it, it was gonna you know it was gonna be a, a lot more productive so that's all that how, how, how all that started you know but um but you're seeing it you now know. you're seeing it because like, i've been fishing with you the knife it's an incredible experience um and the fish to be caught definitely but that scared me now that you're actually saying you know what you're seeing it's becoming less productive as well yeah yeah um i think angling pressure is, is definitely a, a big part of it and it only even takes it, it's minimal um that they're, they're definitely not silly if, if too many fish are caught and released uh, at a certain location, um, they just won't be there. It, I would almost say if you find good fishing, you can start the, you can start the, the clock ticking before, it's, before you notice a decline. Um, and, and that's, I mean, I have locations I know nobody else fishes. Um, and, and I can see them going down, downhill short, uh, slowly but surely. As soon as you start catching. Yeah, over a period of you know, this is over a period yeah. of years. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, my father-in-law used to come back every summer, um, and I'd take him off to the latest hotspot, and we had some great fishing. And eventually, we switched to night fishing, um, and uh, we would walk down the beach at night, and I'd say to him, "What side do you want? Do you want the left or the right?" You know, oh, you tell, I'll, I'll pick the right. I, I'll pick the right. So I would go to the left and and, and cast across the rocks, and bang. You know, there'll be a fish, and then he'd get one, and I'd get one, and and I'd put my rod down because I was handling his fish, and it was that level of activity. Um, I remember I would get to the point where um, I'd get to say six or seven fish pretty quickly. I'd say, okay, um, I'd look at my watch, and now I've got work the next day, so okay, I'll I'll, I'll just get ten, and then I'll go home. And I'll get to ten ten pretty quickly. I go, okay, I'll, I'll get to fifteen, and then. You know, I'd get to 15 and say, no, look, I really have to go home. And, and and let's not forget, this is not 20, 30 years ago that you're talking about. No, no. That was the last 10 years, like five years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just, I'm just wondering whether Catch and Release is a mass education program. <laughs> it's university for the, for the bass, like. 
Well, um, <laughs> I mean, I'd love to talk to people from other work, uh, walks of fishing life where, you know, there's a similar, you know, a similar a culture, um, you know, to, to find out from, from people that have seen it in other species or not. But um, they're pretty smart. They're pretty smart. I mean, I can tell you that if, if I'm on a particular location, I've, 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 I've caught, say, two or three fish, and then it suddenly goes quiet, completely dead. I think, okay, well, that's a number of times I'd walk away and think, well, that's the end of that. But then, then on on occasions, um, I, I just change my lure and I start catching again. Two or three fish, it'll go dead. Change my lure, start catching again. So they they just wise up incredibly quickly, um, and you just think, yeah. But you've now you're, you've gone into kayak fishing now, as a, even mm. as a means to try and get out further, kind of away from the pressure and what bass have seen or other fish have seen close in. You're finding yeah. you're finding success with that. I mean, there's still. Don't get me wrong. There's still really good fishing to be had from the shore. Um, uh, the knife fishing is really good if you have the skill set and the confidence to do it. Um, you need to be very confident um, shore angler before you should even think about attempting knife fishing. And, and the safety side of it is a whole nother level. Um, but um, the kayak side of things, um, it just um, on the back of a, a trip to Cape Cod, which I'm sure we'll talk about um, I did a trip over there with a guide who specializes on going out with the tide onto massive sand flats and, uh, and fishing the incoming tide. And I, I did a number of trips with him and then I kind of had a penny drop moment when I thought, hang on, like in a, in a different kind of way, I could use a kayak here to explore the estuaries, um, which I did. And uh, I did a year of that and that was pretty incredible, 2018. Then last year I started heading out uh, off the coast and um, started to quickly find, you know, good fishing middle of the day. Um, so is it a case because you're finding these spots that aren't being regularly fished, basically? I don't know. I mean, as I say, I'm constantly trying to piece it together. Um, it's, it's, it's really hard to say. It's very early days with the kayak side of things, but it just opens up a whole other world. And uh, I spent a lot of time uh, fishing from boats last summer in, uh, here and in France and in the US, and it, it, it you know, I kind of put, it, it further reinforced for me the fact that boat fishing doesn't have to mean you know, big heavy leads and, and and bait and 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 charter boats. You know, there is there is a crossover between the shore fishing, bass fishing skills, and near inshore fishing, whether it be from you know some form of craft or in my case a kayak. And, um, and, uh, and, and again, I just love being out on the sea. So it's kind of a, a win-win really. Yeah. And it's interesting. It's like you're saying, you're always kind of trying to evolve and look for kind of, you know, that extra few percentage, isn't it? You're trying to kind of outsmart yeah, them yeah. all the time. Like, and, you know, like you said, yeah. maybe it's craft boats now or whatever. Um, yeah. and there's a lot to be learned, I suppose, from tell me about in terms of, uh, the striper bass fishing over in the East coast of the, of America. Um, you've gone over a couple of times now, haven't you? And yeah, I've done, four, I've done four trips over there now. Yeah. Um, so, in case, in case people aren't aware of it, maybe you might just give us a bit of background to kind of that cult nearly or the the, the, the pilgrimage that people make for this. Yeah. So, the northeast of uh, uh, North America, um, from Maine to Massachusetts, Rhode Island, um, uh, New York, and um, right that, that that top northeast corner, right down as far as. I think it's Maryland is 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 on the um, on the north of the Chesapeake Bay, 
Um, they have um, the striped bass, which is, um, if you think of our bass uh, and, and, and multiply the biggest bass you've ever seen up to, uh, up to about four times, um, so, so up to like 60, 70 pounds, um, and, and put uh, seven dark stripes around down the side of it. They're pretty much identical, but 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 potentially much bigger. And as you say, it's a huge, uh, it's a cult there. Um, it's part of the culture. I mean, the striped bass is on um, it's on flags and crests and 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 on top of government buildings. It's just it's a huge culture uh, uh, cultural icon over there. Um, and to give you some idea of the number of people that are, um, are fishing for them, they have a saltwater license over there. And in those um, northeast uh, states, um, I believe there's there's 13 million saltwater licenses sold each year. But it is really part of the culture and families go and fish together and you've got the hardcore lunatics and you've got the weekend warriors. But, you know, it's such a big part of uh, the culture over there. My next question is going to be, you know, we talk, we talk about angling pressure over here in Ireland and you're telling me about 13 million licenses being sold. Is that, you know, surely angling pressure over there is a big thing? Yeah. So um, working backwards, they, um, striped bass are currently in big trouble. Um, they're introducing uh, um, new tight restrictions on what fish can be kept. They've introduced a slot size um, and everyone's got a different opinion on it. But um, some, some legendary uh, striped bass uh, uh, spots, such as uh, a spot called Montauk, which is at the end of a long uh, peninsula, um they're having competitions there they're hardly they're hardly catching a, a striper at um you know peak season so they're, they're in trouble and um similar to here in ireland they nearly wiped them out back in the 80s they had to have a complete moratorium um to bring them back and luckily they did come back but uh sadly they're in trouble again but um the culture over there was very much catch and keep with the older generation but now um, the, the catch and release um, ethos is very strong over there. So, um, but um, in terms of how much more difficult it's become there, um, I, I'm not really sure. You'd have to talk to someone from over there that's, um, you know, sort of seen it over the, over the years. But, um, but you've had great experiences when you've gone over fishing there, haven't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I would say is that the biomass over there is enormous. Yeah. Um, it's a massive, massive population of fish, uh, a, a range of sizes. Whereas, you know, we don't have those sort of numbers here. But yeah, I've had a great time going over there, and um, uh, you know, I look forward to doing it many, many more times. Um, hopefully, when's the what's the main run like that people go over for? Well, um, well, they're an unusual species or different to our species in that they come into fresh water to spawn in the massive estuaries of the uh, the northeast coast. And then um, they have what's called the, uh, the run, the striper run, the spring run, where they all um, head, head north from these big estuaries um, up to um, through, through and around the Cape Cod area right up to uh, Maine. And then in the, the autumn, there's the fall run, where they all basically uh, retreat back down um, uh, to, to, to the spots that they've, they've come from for winter. But um, so the spring run is very productive. And then there's certain times throughout the summer where um, it all revolves around the bait. So the bait being bait, bait fish species such as um, mackerel and um, there's another species over there called bunker uh, and big sand eels and basically anything they can find to eat. But um, 
but they're following uh, the big fish are following the big bait and um, and that's the key to it in, in, a, in an absolute nutshell fly fishing is popular for as part of it as well isn't it yeah hugely but because they've got this massive biomass they've got millions of of, of schooly sized fish which could be you know um, up to six or eight eight pounds ten pounds even and they'd still be considered schoolies but they're, they're ideal for fly fishing uh, and they're in close and if if we had uh, a bass population here like they did then i'd be fly fishing full time so it's, it's perfect for fly fishing and um yeah it's popular and it's getting way more popular as well i recommend anybody to watch running the coast uh, absolutely it just gives you a real sense of it, what it is and whets your appetite you want to you want to go oh and God. take part of it part in it like um absolutely before i finish up david i just want to ask like Bass fishing in Ireland is, you, I st- you still think it's summertime, it's people out on the coast during the day, you know, maybe early morning or evening, you know, around the tides. Is there anything you'd recommend in terms of how can people increase their chances? It's difficult. There are no kind of real shortcuts other than getting some instruction or getting some getting some guiding or teaming up with someone who's further up the learning curve. But you kind of have to serve your time uh, to a point. Um and, and, and basically, it's, it's about, as you said earlier, it's about cracking that code. And, 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 and bass are um, very habitual. They'll get into certain routines. And if you can, uh, if you can uh, stumble upon one of those routines and then start to piece it together, uh, you can start to have a reasonable level of success. But it does take a lot of time and effort. Um, I'd say... You know, there's there's some basic things you can do. I mean, you need to go and look at if you think a location's um, a good location for bass. First of all, go and look at it on a spring low tide. Now, spring low spring tides uh, happen uh, twice a month, so go and look at the location at super low tide, and look at the features, uh, and then go back um, at, at high tide or whenever you think that location should produce fish, and. Um, if they're there, you'll find out reasonably quickly. If you're if you're doing like somewhere near the right sort of things, you'll find out reasonably quickly. And it, if it doesn't work, then move on to somewhere else. Cover a lot of ground. Um, and and if you do have some, some success, absolutely make a record of it, uh, either in your head or better still, write it down because you've just stumbled upon a piece of the puzzle, and then it's building from there. Um, and be, so, be prepared to put in the be prepared for the blank days put in the hours yeah absolutely absolutely I'm, that but that is part of it and that's why success is all the sweeter when you know when, when when it comes along and there's a huge amount of information out there now um there's a lot of people bass fishing there's a there's um there's there's, there's it used to be all around blogs and forums it's now more around facebook and um instagram to a point although that's more sort of photo oriented but um but yeah, I mean, you know, um, buddy up with um, with somebody or, or two or three people, you know, share a bit of information amongst yourselves. Don't broadcast what you're doing on social media. Um, you know, respect the the coast, respect um, the the fish, and um, you know, if you're passionate enough about it and 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 you want to put the time in, you will start to get some success, and you can build on that success. Or else hire a guide. <laughs> That's my answer. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But hiring a guide, as you know, is not just about someone taking you to the fish. They'll, 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 they'll give you knowledge that you can take away afterwards and apply it. You know where where you come from, um, and um, you know, and they'll they'll probably help you with you know with 
tips and advice, you know, even if even if you're away, you know, if you make that contact, you know, they'll, they'll more than likely support your fishing if, you know, if they think you're going about it in the right sort of way. Well, for me, a good a session with a good guide is an education. You know, absolutely. Fishing yeah. is fishing yeah. is part of it, but you come away with something longer in terms of information and 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 uh, perspective and advice on it. David, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you. Um, it's been absolutely fascinating insights uh, into the development of bass fishing over the last years and maybe what way it's going to be going in the future. I highly recommend people check out um, David. You're on Facebook and Instagram, uh, West Cork Bass, is it? That's right. Check you out on social media. Um, loads of great photos and information there as well. David Norman, thanks a million for uh, talking to me, and uh, I do hope we can get out again over the summer. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. My pleasure, Daria. My thanks to David Norman for joining me on this week's show. And to find out more about David's guiding services, you can contact him on Facebook and Instagram at West Cork Bass. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also keep up to date on Instagram at Ireland on the Fly and I'll be back next week with another episode from Ireland on the Fly. The Mayfly is up and the excitement is palpable. Wherever you are in Ireland, the lakes and rivers are soon to be hatching with Mayfly soon. And to help you improve your catch rate this season, we've used a Mayfly Tactics Masterclass with international angler, guide and renowned tire, Jackie Mahan. If you want to learn about setup, tactics, conditions and flies, then head over to www.irelandonthefly.com forward slash masterclass where you can find out all the details to access the recording and Jackie's notes. If you want to catch that difficult fish or try out new tactics, then this masterclass is for you.